0: young adults. Hi, it's me, Adri. I'm super excited to be here on the podcast with you this week. Um, I love getting to spend time with you guys, to preach to you guys. Um, It's honestly one of my life passions. And I think it's because the season of life that you all are in is incredibly unique. Like right now, it's like, you are all on this great hike, right? And you are walking the course, you're keeping your head down, you're working hard, you're taking classes, right? You're praying you pass. You're getting experience in your jobs, jobs that won't hire you unless you have experience, but you need to be hired in order to get the experience. Like, doesn't make sense. You're working on yourself for your future somebody and you know I'm right. And all of what you're doing is preparing you for what could be ahead. And eventually, you'll all get to the end of this great hike where there is a cliff, where you may be left standing thinking, okay, what's next, right? What do you want from me, God? Like, what is next? What do you want from me? Well, I believe God wants us to prepare the room. Now, allow me to be vague because, frankly, it sounds cooler that way, okay? (laughs) I believe God wants us to prepare the room. I enjoy reading my Bible before I go to bed. I call it my (laughs) gleaning hour. And in that hour, I'm not doing a deep study, okay? Sometimes I can't help it. I'll pull out a commentary, okay? But for the most part, I spend that hour... Just enjoying God in scripture, in prayer, or in meditation. I just read the Bible for the sake of being in his word. This kind of reading is more meditative. It's a time where I slow myself down just to be in the presence of God, surrounded by the things of God, open to any kind of movement of God. And that evening, I was in the book of Philemon, Now, this is a letter written by Paul to his friend Philemon about a runaway slave named Onesimus. It appears Onesimus robbed his master and fled to Rome, hoping to get lost in the crowds, but instead met Paul and was converted. His character changed, and although Paul loved having him with him, Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter that we're reading now, urging Philemon to welcome him back as a dear brother. Now through this book, we get a beautiful picture of what our Father has done for us in Jesus. As Martin Luther once said, all of us are Onesimus. You would think, as I read that evening, that this was the great truth that I walked away with, but no. Do you ever read the Bible and feel like the Lord highlights something to you that at first seems so odd or trivial, but then upon further meditation, you find some truth that is so beautiful, challenging, or life-giving? Well, at the very end of Paul's letter, as he was giving his closing remarks, he said a phrase that would change my faith forever. He says in verse 22, and one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Wow. So Paul is writing this letter from a prison. He's writing from a place where he is currently in chains, wondering when or if he will ever be released. And he says, prepare a room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. And as I read that line, wondering why is it highlighted, I felt the Spirit of God say, My daughter, that's the kind of faith I want from you. A faith that prepares the room in advance for my provision. A faith that prepares the room for God to show up. Some of you are in this season of your life and you're wondering, what's next, God? What are you calling me to? And I believe God is calling you. I firmly believe he is calling you. But I believe he's calling you to prepare the room. Now, what does that look like? How do we have a faith that prepares the room? First, we need to abide in the presence of God. S.Y.A., the world is so loud, right? We know this. There are so many things right now out in the world that sound like truth and that look like love but are not. We need to abide in the presence of God daily, not weekly. In John 15, Jesus tells us to abide in Christ because we are just branches. Jesus is the vine, right? Right? When we remain in Jesus, we bear fruit. And apart from Jesus, we bear some fruit? No. Right? Apart from Jesus, we can bear no fruit. We can do nothing. So we need to start here because doing the things of God without abiding in God is a scary place to be. And let me tell you guys, you can easily be there. We have to first and foremost abide in God so we can hear two things, our identity and our purpose. So we abide to hear our identity. Maybe you guys have heard about practices like Sabbath or fasting or solitude, right? Seeking time alone, or silence, or even meditation. These practices, they refine us, but more than anything, they allow us to silence the world's voices so that we can hear the voice. Henry Nouwen said, yes, there is that voice, the voice that speaks from above and from within, that whispers softly or declares loudly, You are my beloved. On you, my favor rests. Did you know you're God's beloved? Have you forgotten? Sadly, I often do. That's why abiding in the presence of God is our foundation. We have to start from here to bear any fruit worth bearing. So abiding in the presence of God enables us to hear the voice that is indeed whispering that we are already beloved. And we also abide to hear our purpose. I can't hear something I'm not listening for, right? (laughs) I mean, it's logical. If we don't slow ourselves down and practice abiding, we will miss the voice of God telling us our purpose. This life of abiding is about listening, but a different kind of listening than you may have known before. This listening is an invitation, and it's active, not passive. The word obedient, it actually comes from the Latin word, which means listening. So listening requires obedience. I can't hear something I'm not listening for. And if I'm not listening, how can I obey? We need to first abide in God so we can hear our identity and our purpose. And then we need to do the next good thing. In Exodus 14, Moses had led the Israelites out from under the hand of Pharaoh. And upon reaching the Red Sea, With the Egyptians chasing them from behind, we see an interesting exchange between Moses, the Israelites, and God. I'll start reading in verse 10. It says As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? First of all, drama. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm dramatic. Verse 12, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So, what I love is that Moses says, Stand firm. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to stand still. And then he runs to God, right? And then God says, Why are you crying out to me? Tell my people to move. I am faithful. I am their deliverer. Tell them to move like it. What a clever scheme to overwhelm the people of God with the shame of the past and the fear of the future so that we miss what God is asking of us right now. Just move. Do the next good thing. Like Moses, seek God for wisdom. In James, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is a promise to anyone who asks, he will receive. Seek God for wisdom. Next, search the scriptures to give you perspective. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, It tells us that the entirety of scripture is useful to us, right? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Be in the word of God like your life depends on it because it does. And then solicit wise advice. Proverbs fifteen thirty one through 33 says, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. So get a mentor in your life. Get wise friends in your life who abide and who obey the presence of God. And do the next good thing. I've been where you are, like hear me out. Rather than scrutinizing over the challenging life choices that are before you, and they're important ones, scrutinize over your character. God is more concerned about the character that we are cultivating than the challenging choices ahead of us. Don't let the shame of your past and the fears of the future paralyze you. Be faithful to what God has placed in front of you right now. Because God won't entrust you with more if you cannot be faithful with what he's put before you right now. Do the next good thing. And then take a bet on God. Having a faith that prepares the room isn't a foreign concept in scripture by any means. We see this kind of faith in all the greats of the Bible. We see it in Noah. He didn't prepare a room, but instead a boat in a place that had never experienced rain. He was willing to look foolish in his bold obedience We see it in Elijah, in his standoff with the prophets of Baal, who after drenching his sacrifice in water, prepared the room for God to show up in a mighty way. And man, did he depend on God showing up in a mighty way, right? We see that faith in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they refused to bow down to any other gods except Yahweh, who dared to say the words, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Man, I want even if faith. Even if it doesn't turn out how I think it should. Even if his provision comes in another way. Even if I'm sacrificed, I will obey my God. And we see it in the centurion who not only believed Jesus was powerful enough to heal his servant at just a word, but he walked away depending on it. A centurion whose own faith caused Jesus to take a beat. I don't know about you guys, but I want a faith that takes Jesus's breath away. I want a faith that causes Jesus to take a beat. I want a faith that excites the heart of our father. I heard a story about a farming community where it hadn't rained in a long time and things were getting desperate. The ministers decided that they were all going to call a prayer meeting. They said, look, we want the whole town to come to the prayer meeting and bring their religious symbols. So the whole town showed up for the prayer meeting and people brought their crosses, they brought their Bibles, the Catholics, they brought their rosaries, and they all cried out to God. They finished the prayer meeting. No rain was in sight. They all went home. The next day, though, in the town square where they had had the meeting, there was a little boy. He prayed a simple prayer. Oh, God, we need rain. God, Show your power and give us rain. The day before, with all the preachers and all the religious symbols calling on God, there was no rain. The little boy showed up the next day by himself. And as he was praying, the sky got darker. As he was praying, rumbling occurred. As he was praying, the showers hit. And it was pouring down rain. Now, what was it about this little boy? Because he said the same things that all the people had said the day before. The day before, they had all the preachers. The day before, they had all the ministers. They even brought their religious symbols. But the day the young boy came, when the clouds got dark, he lifted up the symbol that he had brought, an umbrella. He expected it to rain. When you anticipate rain, you take an umbrella. This boy had faith in what he had hoped for, not what he had. And so he prepared for what he hoped for. I don't know what your umbrella is. Chances are you already do. And chances are the spirit of God is whispering it to you even now. I want to urge you that it's okay that it won't make sense to those around you. Like that little boy showing up to a sunny day with an umbrella. It won't make sense to those around you. In fact, expect it not to make sense to those around you, okay? Years ago, I had felt the Spirit of God whisper to me that I needed to prepare the room. I felt the Spirit of God tell me, I need you to prepare for what I have for you in the future. I need you to get your master's degree. And let me tell you, I dragged my feet just a little bit with that request, right? I dragged my feet because I was counting the cost. Not only would it be a financial commitment in that time, right? I wanted to be saving, but it would also be a sacrifice of my time. I was working full time at a church in a season where I felt like I already didn't have much free time. And I remember saying, oh, are you sure God? Cause this is a crucial time for me. Like I need to be networking right now, God, or I need to be doing so many other things or like <laughs> I need to be looking for my husband. Ew. And I kept hearing the same small request, the same small invitation. I need you to do this for what I have for you in the future. And by the way, he did not tell me what he was preparing me for. He just said, I need you to do it for what I have for you. I graduated a few years later, and I loved every minute of it, by the way, because that's how good God is, right? He's mindful of us when he calls us to things. He has our best in mind. We forget that. So I graduated a few years later holding on to this idea of preparing the room for God to show up, and he did. He showed up in a way I had never imagined. I did need this for what he was calling me to. Back in March, I saw that come to fruition. I was ordained as a pastor at Shepherd Church. And here's what I want you to know. I had more people in my life ask me, why are you getting a master's? You don't need it for what you're doing right now, right? People that I worked with, my friends, even some people that I worked for, it didn't make sense to most people around me. But I knew, I knew, you're right, I don't need it for where I am. But I need it for where I'm going. I knew I was preparing the room. And even when I was exhausted and those voices of, why are you doing this got very loud, I held on to the word that God had given me while I was abiding. Right? I'm not, I'm not on this podcast, okay, pretending to be smarter than anybody listening to this. I guarantee mm-hmm, that I am not. I'm just trying to be faithful to what I believe God wants you to hear. And when I look at this next generation, you guys, when I look at this world, I firmly believe that we serve a God who is roaming the earth, asking the same question asked in Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? But I don't think God is looking for the greatest preachers. I don't think he's looking for the most talented musicians. I don't think he's concerned with looking for the smartest, the brightest, or even the most attractive. More than anything, I believe the Lord is roaming the earth, looking for people that would dare to be faithful to him. So faithful to him that they would strive to abide when a world says to strive. So faithful that they would do the next good thing. So faithful that they would take an audacious bet on him. I believe the Lord is looking for the next generation to prepare the room for God to show up in ways exceedingly, abundantly, and above all we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus, I thank you so much for whoever is listening to this today. God, wherever they are, if they're in a car, if they're listening to it while they're walking about their house, God, or or doing other things, Jesus, I pray right now that they would quiet their soul to hear your voice, call them beloved, to hear your voice inviting them to abide with you. God, I pray that this next generation would step up and have bold faith in you, God, and take bold, audacious steps for you, Jesus, because you are worthy of that kind of life. You are worthy of that kind of faith. Thank you for your love, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.